been in a message series, we're wrapping it up today, uh, that I called Hope for Peace. Uh, hope, hope is the way to find peace. If you put your hope in the right things, you find the peace that the Lord really wants to bring into your life. Um, the theme verses for the series have been Psalm 42.5 and Isaiah 23, 26.3, which have been meaningful to me in this past year as just it's been, it's been an emotional year. I mean, I'm sure you have your list of things that cause you to go up and down emotionally. Uh, but in August, my father passed away. And so he was 93, lived a long, very good life. Uh, but as you, as you go through that time, and you're not surprised uh, by the event of his passing, it still impacts you emotionally. And in the midst of all that, uh, we were celebrating our 20th anniversary as a congregation. We're trying to launch a congregation in Orange Crest ourselves, which a friend of mine says uh, is like trying to run a marathon while you're having a baby. And I, I personally thought that was a great description <laughs> of what it feels like because we're still doing what God called us to do here as we're trying to birth this congregation in Orange Crest. So that, that's really exactly how it feels at, at the you know, at the leadership level here. Um, then yesterday, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? I mean, and things stir our souls and cause commotion inside of us. Yesterday, my mom, turns out she had a stroke. And we were surprised because she'd been doing very well. And um, it wasn't a massive stroke or anything. It was just she, her head got heavy. She was lethargic and she couldn't see as clearly. And of course, this comes out. My mom doesn't want to bother anybody. So why would she bother us with a stroke? Um, so this comes out over time, what's going on. In fact, we're in the ER and she's, she's telling the doctor, this is a really bad day for this. You know, she wants to go home because this is a really bad day. And he said, well, what do you mean? It's Sunday. She said, well, he's a minister. <laughs> it's a busy day for him. <laughs> and that's my mom. My mom is just a selfless person. She's always thinking of everybody else. Um, but same hospital my dad was in, and, you know, the emotions are, are running. Uh, they get to you, you know, <laughs> as, you, as you go through things. And you realize God's in control. And as you move forward, you know, one of the things you think of is this, this launching this congregation doesn't seem like it would be that intense emotionally, but there's a battle going on. You know, as you try to advance the kingdom of God, uh, we have an enemy, Satan, who's trying to keep us from moving forward. As you commit your life, as you turn around from going your own way and decide to go God's way, you... Once you commit your life to follow Christ, you have an enemy. And what happens is you move toward the center of the bullseye of the enemy's target. And so life goes up and down. And for me, these verses that we've been looking at have been tremendously helpful for me in directing my thoughts and centering my heart on the right things. Psalm 42.5 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Despair is literally, in the Hebrew it was written in, means to sink or depress. So why are you depressed? You know, it's easy to get depressed as you face life. It's easy to get down. We all do. We have ups and downs. Why have you become disturbed? That's an inner commotion. There's this disturbance on the inside in your soul. And then he says to himself, the psalmist, Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. As you look to the future, uh, it can be disturbing. Usually that's what we're disturbed about. We're worried about stuff that could happen. And we're upset because we're not quite sure what's going on. Mario Andretti said, if it seems like everything's under, under control, you're not going fast enough, which, which is a comment that a race car driver would, would make. But, you know, we have stuff to do. We have things to accomplish in life. God's given us a purpose to fulfill. And as you go after it, boy, on the inside, things can churn. How do you settle down? The way you settle down is you put your hope in God. That's what the psalmist says to himself. And over this past year, as I've dealt with things, knowing that I can trust God brings tremendous peace in the midst of the commotion on the inside that goes on. It brings a peace as you put your hope in the right thing. Isaiah 26.3 is the other verse we've been applying to different situations. It says, you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you, because he, he hides in you, he takes refuge in you. You can trust God as you go through life, and, and he will bless you. So if you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, you're on your way to doing that. One of the things that lies out there in the future for you if you do commit your life to him is the peace that comes from knowing you have a relationship with the one who is in control when it seems chaotic. The one who is guiding you to fulfill his purpose as you trust him. And decisions, which is what we're talking about today, they have a pressure all their own, don't they? I mean, I've felt attacked by some decisions. I don't, I don't you know, a decision comes up, I don't want to make it, I don't want to think about it. It attacks me. <laughs> Almost, and I, I, I get, I can get disturbed. The peace in my soul is disturbed by this decision, and they come on a sliding scale. Decisions, you know, they go from like, who am I going to marry? What is going to be my purpose or my mission in life? What's, what am I going to do for a career? Where am I going to go to college? To what socks am I going to wear today? That's the other end of the scale. What am I going to get from McDonald's? Am I going to add fries with that or supersize it? I mean, you know, those aren't big decisions. You don't need to think a lot about that. But at some level, on this end of the scale, as we're trying to get guidance where we're going to live, what house are we going to buy? You know, how are we going to spend our money? As, as we're on this end of the scale, we know it, it sort of shakes us because we know that we're planting seeds that are going to bear fruit in the future, and we don't know what the future is going to look like. So we know these are important decisions. We know we really need to make good ones, and it can shake us. So we're going to look today at, at Scripture's guidance, God's guidance for making decisions, and he wants to guide us. One of the pictures that Jesus gave us of himself in John 10 was that he's a good shepherd. He's the shepherd. A shepherd guides the sheep. And it says in John 10.10 that he wants to guide us to live the best kind of life possible. He's, he, he wants to give guidance. And here's how he does it. God guides those who trust him with a whole heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I went to a Christian high school in my senior year. If you ask most of the students in 
my senior class, their favorite verse, this was it. Why? Because everybody was shaking about what was next. You know, what am I going to do for college? What am I going to do for work? What am I, how am I going to, how am I going to do this thing? I'm going to have to grow up, sort of. And this is a very comforting, sort of because you got four years in college now where you don't have to. You should. <laughs> okay. You should, but, but you know, we, we don't always do it. Um, but this verse brings a tremendous amount of direction, and in the direction there's comfort to you as you're making a decision. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Straight paths are a very good thing when you're trying to get to a goal, and God will direct you as you follow him. So what does that mean? When I was a senior in high school, I appreciated this verse, but now that I've I hate to tell you how long it's been. Uh, it's been a while since high school, 30-plus years. Um, I think I understand it at a different level. It, it encouraged me then, gave some direction then, but, but now at a different level, I can say that in this passage you see two expressions of hope in God, what it means to really hope in God. The first one is, if you're going to put your hope in God in the midst of a decision, you don't rely on your own insight. God's provided some resources for making wise decisions. And so if you don't rely on your own insight, you rely on the Lord and the resources that he's provided for making the decision that you're making. And it's, it's kind of like an accordion. You know, an accordion goes out like this. The length of time that you take in making a decision depends on how important it is, how, where it falls along the, the scale. If it's an impactful decision, like who you're going to marry, career, where you're going to go to college, those kinds of things. Um, you want to take a lot of time. Be cautious. Think it through. Don't rush it. But listen and wait for God to speak. Settle down enough to hear what he has to say. And here are the resources that God's provided so you can work through these as you're trying to make a decision. First of all, prayer. Ask God for help. God, would you speak to me? Um, would you show me your will? And if you'll pray earnestly and sincerely for direction from God, he will give you direction as you set your, your heart and mind to hear him. Second resource is God's word. And he wants us to filter our, our thoughts and emotions through his, his word and not edit it for our enjoyment or for the purpose that we want, to make it say what we want. You ever seen those messages? Sometimes you can put a message together out of a magazine. You clip all the words out of a magazine. You, you put it together and it makes a, a sentence. We tend to do that with the scripture. We want something. We've got a decision to make. And we really want God to bless our decision. So we take the Bible and cut and paste it. And we make it say what we want it to say. But what God wants us to do, he's provided the word, which is gives us direction. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It gives us direction. What he wants us to do is humble ourselves before the word and listen to what God's saying to us through it. But that's a resource. So you take your time as you have decisions. Is there anything in the word that gives direction on this? The, the next resource is mature believers, more mature believers than, than, than I am, uh, than you, partic- you currently are. The church community has people in it that have walked with God for years. 
And so you ask, you get in, input from them. Wise advisors is another resource that God's given us. Um, I, I know very little about cars, but I'm very grateful for the mechanic that I can trust that I go to. He, he knows enough. I can just trust him. But in, in, in other ways, there are also people that can give you direction in areas that you don't necessarily have expertise. I know one couple in the congregation, at least, who's been saved from the mortgage mess that we're all in. They're considering buying a house three or four years. They asked the right person, and the, the, the loan they were about to get into was a bad deal. And they're saved from that because they, they listened to a person who had some wisdom in the area. Final resource is the Holy Spirit. God will speak to you through his spirit. Once you commit your life to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, comes and lives in you and helps you and gives you direction, helps you know him and walk with him and gives real direction to your life. So these are the resources. If you're not going to rely on your own insight, you ask God to speak and you you use the resources that he's made available in decision making. Secondly, you acknowledge God in all your ways. The flow of life is like agriculture, not manufacturing. <clears throat> We're in an industrial society. We produce things, manufacture things. But you can't manufacture the really good stuff in life. It has to grow over time. And so your decisions that you're making right now are planting seeds that will bear fruit in the future. And one of the things, the, the thing that is going to help you plant the right seeds is to acknowledge God in all your ways. You plant good seed when you do that. The fruit is sweet, not sour. It is ripe and juicy, not rotten. As you, as you set your heart to do what God wants you to do, he, he leads you to plant seeds that are going to be a blessing over the long haul. What it means to acknowledge God in all your ways basically is to stay inside the boundaries that he's put up for life. Look at these passages. Integrity is the first one. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. If you refuse to get over on others, try to pull one over on God, but you live a life of integrity, that protects you. It gives you guidance. There's some things you won't do. There are lies you won't tell. There are shenanigans you won't pull. And it brings protection to your life as you set out to follow God. Righteousness is the next boundary. When you follow Christ, there's another dimension in your decision making. You consider your master and the mission that he's called you to fulfill. Proverbs 11.5 says, The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. When we're faced with a decision, what do we naturally think? What do we do? What question do we ask? What, what's the best for me in this? And that's actually, that makes sense to the, the whole world. <laughs> As you're faced with a decision, okay, what's the best thing? What, what, can I, what decision can I make that's going to work out for my advantage here? When you come to Christ, the right question is, what does God want me to do in this circumstance, in this decision? What is right before God? That's what righteousness is. Righteousness means that you do what's right before God. So that's what you're asking. How do I do that? 
We see a straight path from our heart that wants what it wants. We want something. We see what looks like a straight path. We go for it, and you end up in a ditch. Or you end up way off track, and you've got to recalculate. You ever been in a car with GPS? You, you do something that it didn't tell you to do, and it's just a moment while I recalculate. You get tired of the voice. Continue on the wrong path, the voice keeps coming. Well, that's what happens when we choose unrighteousness, when we're not concerned about God, not acknowledging his way. We end up in a ditch or we end up off course, and, and we have to recalculate. You have to get back on track with the Lord and what he's saying to do. The final aspect of God's boundary is justice. I will walk. This is wisdom talking in Proverbs 8. Wisdom says, wisdom is what you need for good decisions. You need to know what the best choice is. I, will walk, I walk along the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Decisions should be just for those they affect. In other words, God's not going to lead you to do something that breaks a contract or a prior commitment to someone else. You may get released from the contract, but he's not going to lead you to break a prior commitment that you've made before him. He's going to lead you inside of that boundary. As you bust through the boundary, the fruit gets rotten. But as you stay inside of it, it begins to grow, and it's ripe and juicy and sweet. Here's some truth that brings peace to those who put their hope in God. Just some things to wrap up the message with that really brings me hope. The first one is God will tell me what he wants me to do in time for me to do it. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Don't, don't rush God or be hasty in your decision. Sometimes we get tired of the pressure of the decision and we just want to make it. And so... We set out to make it. And God wants to use it in our lives to teach us to wait on him. That's one definition of hope in the Old Testament was wait on God. Don't rush it. Wait for him to tell you what he wants. Wait for him to come through with the answer or with the provision that he has to provide. So we wait on God. God will tell you what he wants you to do just in time for you to do it. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault that will be given to him. Walking into the future is like walking into the fog. We, we, we can't see that far into the future. We can see a couple steps ahead. And so we need to wait on God to tell us what we need to do. Do what you know to do right now. He's, he's already given direction. You're in the midst of a life, and you have direction. Keep doing what he's told you to do as you seek him for the next step. Second thing is, God is using this decision in my life for my own good. Romans 8, 28 and 9, we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Um, God is using the pressure in the decision. What, what happens is character is formed inside a pressure cooker. And he's using the, the anxiety and 
the the pressure of the decision itself to test our values, our commitment to him, and our faith. And he is, so be patient under the weight of the decision that you're making. Be patient. Let God do what he wants to in your heart through it. Finally, uh, if I cooperate with God, he will fulfill his purpose for my life. I can trust him to do that. Psalm 138, 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. If you give yourself to God's purpose, he will accomplish it in your life, and it will be good. You have to give yourself to him, to his purpose for you. And maybe you feel like you've made mistakes. You've made some bad decisions, some bad choices. But you know what? God is big enough that he can weave your mistakes and your bad decisions into the fabric of your life in a way that fulfills his purpose for you. If you'll turn where you are and commit to follow him, set your heart on doing what he's made you to do, he will fulfill his purpose in you as you trust him to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes up. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. And life feels out of control at times. And it is to us, but it's not to you. You are in complete control of the universe. And we can trust you that you're taking all of the things that we're going through and you're weaving them into the fabric of our lives. As we, as we express our faith in you, as we commit to your lordship, you're weaving those things in and you're helping us to fulfill your purpose for our lives. God, help us to know more and more what that is and to live for you, not ourselves. We ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hi, my name is Tim McClary, and uh, recently I've been working through um, a lot of big decisions. There's a lot been going on in our lives. We just had uh, our baby Tiffany, that you guys all saw a little, during the child dedication. Um, been working through a lot of decisions that we've been trying to make. Um, you know, I finished school also in May, and um, with finishing school comes the idea of maybe a new job or uh, advancing in my career. And so I've been working through that decision. Um, also been working through a decision of whether to move or not. Um, we've been in our house for about five years now, and um, it's it's been a great house, but it's kind of small, and so we're looking at trying to get a larger house, maybe be able to do some more ministry things inside of a bigger house if possible. Um, and we're contemplating that decision and what that entails and, and trying to think through that. The, uh, the most recent decision, however, that I've actually made is whether to put a roof on our house or not. Um, and that was kind of a hard decision for us to make. And when facing big decisions, um, I tend to allow the decision to consume my thoughts um, in an effort to get all the, all the facts, all the information, and all the details um, I, I, to be able to make an educated decision on that. And so I, I let it consume my, my thought process throughout the entire decision-making process and makes it really uh, difficult for me um, a lot of times to let go of it and trust God to, to take care of that decision um, and to really show me what, what is the right decision to make. Um, 
putting the new roof on our house was uh, a really difficult decision because we didn't really have the money to do it. Um, I knew that I would, um, I knew that we needed to do it because it was starting to leak in a couple different places. Uh, the the shingles were falling apart. All the little granules were coming down into the rain gutters, and I knew that um, at any time it was, you know, I was just going to end up having a flood inside my house because the roof wouldn't hold out. Um, so I had, that was kind of a hard decision. I knew I needed to do it. I knew the timing was was right on that, and um, but wasn't quite sure where the money was going to come from. Uh, we had many different options about how to go about it. I was looking at um, possibly doing, you know, doing the roof myself, getting the supplies and doing it myself, or also looking at having a company come out and do it, which most people do because it's easier, but it costs a lot more. Um, so I was looking at the different options and trying to weigh those. Um, and I've been thinking about the decision for about two years, and during the entire process was watching my house or my roof continue to disintegrate. So it was, it was just one of those things that I just kept working through and working through and trying to figure out what would be the right time and the right procedure to, to make this roof happen. Um, and, and I've discovered in my uh, in making decisions that I can either choose to go God's way in making, in making a decision or I can choose to go my way. Um, and typically when I go God's way, it works out well. And when I choose to go my way, it ends up being a, a rough road. And in this particular decision, um, the overall decision, I think I really chose to go God's way and, and do it according to what God really wanted me to do. And, but then there was this one little piece to the puzzle that I decided to do my own way that didn't turn out quite as well. Um, I realized that I, I caused myself a lot of pain. We have, we had this section on our roof that was in the front. It was this, it was over the entryway. It was, um, just covered the entryway um, to our right up to our front door. Uh, really made the house look unique. It was a really neat little thing, but it wasn't built well. And, and so I thought I can I can go in and I can fix this and fix that and make it all right, and nobody will know the wiser. And I didn't get any counsel on it. I didn't plan it. I just went out and I started buying all the supplies I needed and just started building it. And uh, got done with the whole thing and realized that. The inspector was coming the next day. Then I started to pray. <laughs> that didn't quite work out as well as I thought it would. Uh, the inspector came and said, none of this is right. It all needs to come down, um, even all the way down to the, the poles that were holding it up that I didn't do originally, but was there. He said it, none of it was up to code. It wasn't right. It had to come down. And if I wanted to do it right, I had to submit plans and get um, have it all done, you know, built by a contractor and done according to code. And it would have taken me probably about three or four months. And I, at that point, I already had the shingles all off my roof. So it, it wasn't a possibility for me to wait. So basically, I caused myself a lot of pain, a lot of time that was spent um, uh, and somewhat wasted working on this and some extra money that was spent on that that really I didn't need to do. Um, in the overall decision in going, uh, you know, in going God's way, I got a lot of counsel about the roof. Um, I got counseled not to do it myself, um, which, when I look back on it, was really wise because we just had our, you know, we just had our second daughter, and it was like two. She was like a month and a half or a month old or something like that, and so it would have been uh, a major stress for us, for me to try and go out every weekend or, or you know, do all the work, and, and got a lot of counsel on that. Um, 
and realized it was the right timing, though, coming into the rainy season to go ahead and get it done. And so um, as, I, as I trusted God in this area, he really came through. Um, God really provided uh, in, in two specific ways for us. Uh, the first way, God provided the roofers to make a major mistake, which was they put the wrong color shingle tiles on our roof. To me, it wasn't as big of a mistake as it really could have been because the shingles that they picked really looked nice. I thought it looked good. It wasn't the color I'd originally picked, but it still came out good. It looked good. But in making that mistake, the, uh, you know, I, I let the roofers know that it, that it was the wrong color. That wasn't what I picked. I had an email that showed the right color. Um, and they realized that they had, done the wrong, they had done the wrong thing and put the wrong shingles on. So they decided to... Um, give us half off of our materials. So that was one way that God really provided it. It brought the cost down to a little bit more affordable level. The second way that God provided was that he also gave us, uh, in some ways that I really wasn't expecting, he gave us an extra $2,700 to be able to pay for the roof, which was almost exactly the amount that we were short. Um, As I go through my life, um, I'm really encouraged by... Um, Proverbs 5, or 3, 5 through 6 that Randy was talking about today, um, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I am uh, very grateful that I can trust God and know that God um, is going to take care of me and my family as I, as I really choose to do life uh, in God's way. So thank you.